helps to have the tech on, doesn't it? Our reading is from Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Chapter 2, I'm going to read the first 10 verses of this chapter as we work our way through this letter. Just while you're finding it, maybe on your tablet or phone, or uh, uh, perhaps you've got a, a book and you're finding the pages. Um, the, 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 the Greek scholars tell me that uh, this is quite hard to translate what Paul's written here, and it's because he's, he's, he's not written it brilliantly. It's not, in, it's not in Greek that's easy to translate into English that flows. And the sense is that Paul feels really strongly about this, that he can't quite put it into sort of smooth language. You, you know when you feel something really strongly that you almost, you're almost sort of tripping over your words, you can't get it out enough for the emotion that there's that sense in, in this little bit here. So he, he's finishing off his story um, of his conversion to Christ. So he says, chapter 2, verse 1, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem, and this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I'd been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Kephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Father, there's some tricky stuff in here. There's some weird stuff in here, frankly. And so we pray in, on this hot and balmy evening, you'd help us to drill into what you're saying to us by your word and by your spirit. Teach us, equip us, enable us to live in your kingdom plans and purposes here on earth. For your glory. Amen. Amen. Um, there was a, a joke that was told religiously every single Alpha course, um, a kind of generation ago, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that um, Alpha, the inquirers course that we invite people to, to do, I'm guessing that in, in this relatively new generation, you may not be familiar with the gorilla joke. I'm looking at blank faces, and I'm wondering whether I interpret that as a sort of permission to tell the gorilla joke. Would you like to hear the gorilla joke? Vigorous nods. Thank you, Kat. Checks in the post. So uh, what, what, sort of, what it is that you need to know by way of understanding is that hard times have, have befallen both St. Diana's Parsons Green and also London Zoo. And um, that has uh, resulted in the fact that Will has lost his job and he's looking for work. 
Also, Joe as church warden, because it's just the, the church is in district. So Joe Coleman is also, and his business has gone by. So Will and Joe are looking for work. And it coincides with the fact that the gorilla at London Zoo uh, sadly died. And so London Zoo are looking for a new gorilla. And Will and Joe, entrepreneurial to the last, they said, hey, why, why, don't we, why don't we sort of offer to dress up as a gorilla and then you know, audition for the part? So they, they think it's a great idea. So they go and audition for the part. And would you believe it? Will is appointed as the new gorilla of London Zoo. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not for real. Oh, well, Will's off. <laughs> you can imagine Will. He just, he's researched the role. He really gets into this 100%. And so he, when he's shown his sort of enclosure with where kind, of, it's a kind of his bed and where he picks up food and the sort of store of bananas and this rubber tube that he can swing on, he just, he's in his element. So he, he's peeling bananas. He's kind of showboating for all the crowds. They're all drawn in. Absolutely incredible. And, he, and the swing. He loves the swing. So he's on the swing like he goes higher and higher with higher and higher. And so high that in his enthusiasm, he just loses his grip on the swing and flies off the swing and somersaults through the air to land with a great big clump in the neighboring enclosure, which belongs to the lion. The lion was asleep. But upon Will, dressed as a gorilla, landing in his enclosure, the lion awakes and draws a sleepy paw across its eye and sort of yawns. And as it sort of inspects this new arrival and trying to think when last it was fed, he begins slowly but surely to pour his way towards the gorilla. Will who up until this point had been a consummate gorilla, loses his nerve. And from within his gorilla suit, he starts to yelp, help, help, help somebody, get me out of here. Whereupon, from within the lion, Joe's voice can clearly be heard saying, Will, shut up or we'll both lose our jobs. And they used to tell that joke on Alpha, and I, I tell that joke today because I guess behind it is this um, one-level sort of rather trite question, but actually a genuine question. What makes a real gorilla? Is it what a gorilla looks like on the outside? big sort of uh, coat of, of, of hair and fur, the ability to sort of romp around, to swing on swings and eat bananas. Is, is what makes a real gorilla what you see on the outside, or is the essence of a real gorilla what's on the inside? You know the answer. When the heat is on a fake gorilla, then the truth will out. And we, and we see what fake gorillas really are. They look good up front. They draw the crowds. But what is it that makes a real gorilla? Is it what's on the outside or what's on the inside? That's, that's basically the question that Paul is asking this church in Galatia. Not, not about gorillas, about followers of Jesus. What makes a genuine follower of Jesus? Is it, is it what they look like and do and perform on the outside? 
Is a follower of Jesus Christ someone who prays every day and reads their Bible and conforms to whatever pattern or ritual is thought to be uh, beholden of a follower of Jesus? Or is what really counts the journey towards the center of the whole of our being, God revealed in Jesus Christ? Is it someone who's moving towards greater knowledge and understanding of, of Jesus? Someone who is in relationship with him. We have the first slide up. A little bit of background, and just bear with me because I think this is important, sort of the, the journey to where we are now with this, with this text and with this letter. God, in his generosity and grace, we don't know the reason. It's just his generosity and grace. He calls a group of people, Abraham and all his descendants. He says, you are the guys. It could have been them. It could have been them, but it's, it's you. And I, I'm, I'm wanted to live, as it were, amongst you, to, to, to be present in you as you move around the world. Interestingly, they weren't, they weren't sort of set on a little island. They were right in the middle of the ancient Near East, A&E, the, the, the peoples and tribes and of, 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 of the known world then. To be a, a light a beacon, an example of what it's like to know God. And God gifts them. He graces them with the, the law, Torah. We, we think of law as don't do this, don't do that. It, it, it's actually prescriptions to freedom. If you live like this, if you live like that, you will discover greater freedom. You will discover what it is to live in perfect harmony and relationship with me. So the law as gift and a sign for those people that they, they've been privileged by God. They've been blessed by God. And so the Torah contains um, various rules, various disciplines, if you like, various habits, patterns, like um, feast days and observing the Sabbath. This is the kind of thing that marks these chosen people out as, as blessed. Do this and you'll flourish. And also rituals, and also uh, physical signs in the flesh, which is this reference here in Galatians to uh, circumcision. So the first, or any uh, newborn male, was to be circumcised in the flesh, a, an outward sign in the body of the inner reality that this child has been privileged to be born into God's people. They belong as part of God's desire to bless the world. Interesting, of, of all the sort of signs that you'll eat in certain rules, you'll observe certain feasts, you'll have certain holidays, uh, hard, I guess, to, to truly discern who is following them as closely as they might. I mean, um, did you actually rest on the Sabbath? Is that food actually set apart or have you contaminated it with food that you're not meant to set apart? Difficult to know. But circumcision is a kind of slightly binary. I mean, you're either circumcised as a male or you're not. Uh, it's no more possible to be sort of circumcised as it is for a woman to be sort of pregnant. And so I guess over the, over the centuries, the people of Israel came to coalesce around this mark of, or sign of circumcision as a surefire way of knowing, with a little bit of ambiguity in all the other signs, that this sign marked people out 
as belonging to God. Just, just as a little aside, I, I, well, I'm guessing what you may be thinking. Um, isn't there a slightly more obvious sign that you could use? I mean, in our culture, we don't tend to go around, us blokes, or indeed you females, um, just checking. Excuse me, can I just check uh, before we sort of embark on this business transaction or before you know, uh, I sit next to you on the bus or whatever it might be? Can I just check? Are you uh, circumcised or not? Sorry, hope you don't mind me asking. We, we kind of don't do that. In a, and it's because I think we just have culturally a different take on nakedness and nudity than they did back then. So more commonplace then for people to kind of know, if you get my meaning. We'll move on quickly. <laughs> just, just in case our 21st century sensitivities around nakedness mean we, we don't really get this whole circumcision thing. It, it was a genuine thing for them, and it worked. It was a sign. A boundary marker, if you like. Now, let's just think about that. These signs, Torah and all the, the, the blessings that emanate, like a sort of boundary marker. A boundary marker basically says, just around, around this piece of territory, there's, there's, there's a kind of demarcation. That bit doesn't actually belong to me, but this bit here within the boundary marker, I have been privileged to enjoy because of God's goodness and grace and generosity. And, and so it's for me to invite you to come and share the joy and the peace and the privilege of living within this boundary. I, I haven't got the whole world. I'm not boundaryless, But within this patch of my life, shall we say, or rather, yes, rather, the life that God has generously given for me to live out and enjoy. And where it is bounded, why don't you come in over the boundary and enjoy living life with God with me and with us and with others? Come and join the kingdom of God. Boundary marker. But here's what happened in in the history of God's people over the ages: is you see they, well they they loved God because of His generosity to them, but they also were drawn by that idol or by what those people did or by what's going on over here and so they wandered away from God they wandered away from his generosity they they transgressed boundaries and so consequences to their choices and the book of Judges this constant cycle in the history of 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 Israel of coming back to God sinning idolizing other gods, wandering away, coming back again. This, this cycle on and on and on. But within that continuous cycle is a sense, does God still really love us? Will he still be as generous to us now, given the number of times in the past we've strayed away from him and so a sort of insecurity creeps into the people? And so they cling to the sign all the more. Ah, but no, at least we have Torah, we have the law, we have the sign of the law, circumcision, yes, God still loves us. Even in exile, when they carted off to Babylon and to foreign lands, is God still with us? I I don't know, it doesn't feel like he's with us. In fact, every fiber of my being feels like he's deserted, he's miles away, and yet we have the sign. We're circumcised, we must be part of his people. But what's happening in the heart it's at the heart, the inside is clinging, clinging to the sign all the more. I need that sign to assure me that I am still part of God's blessing. And hearts, 
that were once responsive to God harden into these boundary markers that then become cemented in barriers. A boundary enables you to say, hey, why don't you come in? But a barrier says, oi, keep out. Because what I've got here is precious and I'm not even sure about what I've got here. And if you come in, there's a risk that you may contaminate. So keep out. Joyous freedom in a boundary. Come on in and share what has, it's not mine anyway, it was given to me by a generous God. Come and share in the freedom. Barrier, fear, enslaves. Oh, I've got to hold on to what I've got in case I lose even that. And that's what Jesus encountered amongst the righteous, the good guys of his day. You know, you know the story of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee is the good guy. And, and that's how he prays to God. I, oh Lord, you know, I've kept all these laws. I've observed Torah. I've done all the right things. He doesn't say it, but he might as well. I'm circumcised. I'm, I'm kosher. Tick, 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 tick. I'm not like that tax collector over there he doesn't qualify at all and the tax collector you know the story he just says in Luke's account of Jesus life oh God have mercy on me a sinner and Jesus says that guy is justified and the Pharisee isn't because Jesus is reading the heart condition of the people and even though they tick the boxes the gift of Torah has become a barrier that's become, that's become a, a, a boundary mark, has become a barrier. And it's excluding people. It's being used to exclude people. And Jesus says that was never the intention. Never the intention. And so that guy is in. And you're not. It's a wonderful line in John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted. And he he says the tragedy is that when Jesus lived this earth, he discovered that the righteous were more damaged by their righteousness than sinners by their sin. So when Paul comes to Galatia, that was all by way of background. Sorry, long background. Hopefully, hopefully now the, the kind of sense and the application begins to tumble out. When Paul comes to Galatia, he's basically saying, so guys, what makes a gorilla? Is it the ability to swing on an inner tube and eat bananas? Or, or is, it, is it the DNA uniquely belonging to a gorilla on the inside, no matter what they look like on the outside? You could dye the fur green and stick a bowl of hat on its head. It, it, it doesn't matter. As long as it's got the DNA of a gorilla, it's a gorilla. So look for what is the essence of a gorilla, not wheel in disguise. What is it that makes a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it the outward signs? Is it Torah observance and feast days? Is it, is it circumcision? Are you going to cling to that? Or actually has Jesus forever done away with the need for circumcision as a sign that you belong to him? There is a new mark of entry. It's not an external sign on the flesh, it's an internal work of the spirit on the heart that moves a sinner like that tax collector 
to fall in love with Jesus. Relationship trumps religion. Praise God. So Paul says, all the way through this letter, Will picked it up early on, verse 6 of chapter 1, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ because of this insistence on circumcision in particular. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. You foolish Galatians. It's, you know, in kind of Bible language, it's quite strong. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly, clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn one thing. He says, I mean, did you come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ by some other methodology? No, it was Christ by the Spirit, revelation. So why are you going back to box ticking? Look at chapter 5 and verse 2. Mark my words. So Paul would like them to mark his words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. On this particular sign, if you say that it's, it's a sign that matters, you do two things. You super inflate the sign. You, you, say, you say, in effect, that the banana and a rubber swing has the has the ability to create a gorilla. No! Anyone can eat a banana. Anyone can swing on a swing. It doesn't make them a gorilla. You, you overinflate the signs and you undervalue the work of Jesus Christ. You, if you say it's all about bananas and swings, you completely undermine the whole DNA and genetic makeup of a gorilla. That's, that's effectively what he's saying here. Christ will be of no value to you. It means his death and resurrection means nothing if you're going to insist it's all about circumcision. That's why in chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, he took Titus, who was a Greek, along with him to these bigwigs. He went to the, the, the apostles, Peter and James, the leaders of the Jerusalem church who'd lived and ministered with Jesus. He goes to these guys and says, guys, this is the gospel and it does not rely on the former outward signs. And here is Titus, who's a Greek, a Gentile, and he's come to faith in Jesus Christ, and he's not circumcised, and what's more, he's not going to be. In other words, if I may, there's no going back to normal. This is a new thing that we have all got to get our heads around, he's saying to the Galatians. We've got to work out what it is that makes and marks a follower of Jesus Christ. It isn't the old way any longer. Because if you insist on the old way, you'll inflate just cutting a little bit of flesh out of all proportion and you'll undermine the work of Jesus Christ. So we've got to work out a new way of recognizing what it is that makes a follower of Jesus and marks a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, we risk being called as in verse 1 of chapter 3, you foolish West Londoners. <laughs> now, part of my preparation and what I'm inviting you to do is, I, to, is I, I get to a stage when I get all sort of proud and I go, yeah, you foolish Galatians. You'd never catch me doing that. And then I wrestle with the number of ways in which I'm tempted to boundary mark and maybe even barrier the gospel so that you and you and you are in, but you and you and you are out. What? Clothing. 
well, it's kind of an outward sign of an inner reality. Just, I, I just put it out here. Clothing, quite interesting, the way in which we dress. It used to be in days of your have you, have you come across the phrase, the Sunday best? You put on your Sunday best? We don't really do it that way, but you, yeah? If you, I, I remember when I was a child, I'm old enough now, it was a long time ago, but the idea was you, you know, to honor God. You didn't turn up in your work clothes, that was a sort of bit grubby, really. Uh, you, you came in your, so you put on a suit or your best clothes to, to kind of say to God, look, I want to give you my best. It was kind of good intention behind it, but it, it got it got kind of went from a boundary marker let me invite you to honor God into a barrier of well you're not dressed properly so we'll look down on you and be a bit judgy and we don't do that today I promise you I had more than one conversation when we were looking to appoint Matt as a worship leader I had more than one conversation playfully because I think people recognize what was behind the conversation but about whether there was a kind of worship leader uniform of open collar, check shirt, and um, what are the, the sort of straight jeans called? Skinny jeans, thank you. Oh, Will, very good. So, a sparring worship leader in his gorilla suit. So, all we were just noting, and we're kind of playfully noting, but we're noting that there's a, kind of, there's a kind of code that goes with certain jobs, because no one's asked whether our administrative operator has a dress code, or whether our children's work has a dress code, but certain roles have certain things attached to them. Interesting. It, there's a, an organization linked, fantastic organization linked to a, a network that we, we kind of belong with in our sort of flavor of churches. And um, they put out all these stats for how many churches they planted and how, they did it creatively and like how many people they'd ordained, how many staff members, and down playfully to, to how many cups of coffee had been served in all these new things over the years. It's an annual report over the year. So, sort of however many thousands of cups of coffee pre COVID had been served. Um, do you know one of the things, they, they, one of the measurements they used was how many square meters of carpet had been laid in the church. It may not be a, a thing, but in, in some circles, actually, you're not a proper church unless you've got carpet. We, this, is, this is beautiful parking. No, sorry, you're not a real church because real churches have carpet in them. Boundary marker becoming kind of barrier, possibly. I, I'm, I'm keeping it light and playful but inviting you to do the same kind of extrapolation. Where, where has the gift and the freedom of God that he's given to me, to us, been turned into a kind of exclusive right that I actually use to exclude others, possibly for fear of what they might reveal in me if I truly allow them to encounter me? I don't know. In this letter... Paul is saying nothing has changed. It's just in the text. Nothing has changed. Did you notice the authenticity of the power of gospel to change lives? Whether he's with the pillars, those esteemed as pillars, James and Kephas and John in, in, in verse 9, they had uh, no more and no less right than Paul and Barnabas to share the gospel. The former to the Jews, traditional believers, the traditional people of God, and um, Paul and Barnabas to the Gentiles, to those coming from outside. And the, nothing's changed. The authenticity and the power of the gospel to change lives hasn't changed. Just notice what hasn't changed, verse 10. All they asked, in, in this new world order that they're looking to create, where Gentiles can come in and don't need to be circumcised to belong fully, it's not about an outer conformity, about an inner reality of the work of the Spirit. And all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I've been eager to do all along. If you read cross-reference in um, Acts, it looks like Paul made the journey to Jerusalem 
uh, because he was bringing a gift from the more wealthy churches that had been collected for the church in Jerusalem that was suffering intense poverty because of a number of famines that had taken place. So it's, it's highly likely that Paul's in Jerusalem partly to meet the leaders but also to bring a love offering from the other churches because they were in severe poverty and suffering. And that's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to look out for brothers and sisters around our world, even today, who are not nearly as privileged or blessed in so many ways as we are. So nothing changes in that respect. Our commitment to, I think we're going to hear, uh, uh, certainly um, we've, we've had a notice today, and you'll see on social media, that we're, we're looking to launch um, a crosslight uh, the a Crosslight Debt Advice Centre here. We've been partnering with the one in Hammersmith and we're looking to launch one towards the end of the summer um, here. That, that's just an expression of what we believe God has always called the Christian church to do in terms of blessing the poor and those who are in some way disadvantaged. So nothing's changed, but in another, everything has changed. Paul is saying now, no, circumcision of the body counts for nothing. In fact, it's, it's it's harmful in that sense. I'm not, I'm not talking now about, I'm talking spiritually. I'm not talking about whether you make the decision for health reasons or whatever um, to circumcise children today, but, uh, or boys today. Um, get into trouble here. But I'm talking about theologically. <laughs> I'm talking about theologically. Uh, it, it makes no difference. In fact, it's potentially harmful in undermining the, what is truly at the heart of the gospel. So that's changed forever. And the work of the Spirit. That, that's what changes. So towards the end of his letter, and we'll, we'll come on to this in the coming weeks, but verse uh, 16, so I say live by the Spirit and you won't be tempted back to former ways. So let's, uh, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Which was the thing this morning with the, we had a rowing machine um, and got some kids and we put a, put a sort of heart rate and we took their pulse and measured their heart rate um, uh, they were unbelievably two fit, they were two young lads, about uh, ten. Their heart, their, their resting pulse was really, really commendable. As soon as I told them that they were going to, in front of the whole church, start rowing on a rowing machine, it jumped up to about 110 uh, and, and, and kept that high. They were probably working double the effort and got nowhere. We, we, we sort of timed them for about three minutes, rowing away, heart rate going through the roof, getting nowhere. Uh, and then we, we just got the, the bouncy castle fan and I've got a little sail and we got, sat on a skateboard and <laughs> this, this, this fan to blow up a whole bouncy castle, it's pretty powerful and it just blew them along the church. <laughs> it was quite funny, it was great fun. So we thought, yeah, kite something. Uh, and their heart, we measured their heart rate, chilled. So loads of effort and you get nowhere, relaxing into the power of God and you get carried along and it doesn't burn you out. Kind of fun surface level but Again, if you do the work on that the rest of the day and during the week, we're called to, to be sailors, not rowers, as Christians. The, the, the outworking of this, how do I live by the Spirit? How do, how do I live as a Christian? What does it look like? Well, I'm not just relentlessly just going the same old thing, which, which in a sense is the sort of security blanket of going back to normal. No, here is an opportunity for me to read the wind. To, to discern in a different way. Where's the wind blowing? Okay, let me hoist the sail to catch the wind so that I can be carried by God into this new era. So that we as the church can be carried by God into this new era. So that we can be the prophetic voice as his church in this community and in this city and in this nation and across the world. This, this is such a coming out of the pandemic, G7 summit, 
all sorts of other world gatherings. We're, we're trying to work out how do we do our economics? How do we do our politics? How do we care for the environment? How do we care for one another now that I've begun to notice my neighbor in a new way? And there's an opportunity for us to do that prophetically by not relying on the old patterns, but through the power and the inspiration of the Spirit, creating new ones. Amen? Amen. So don't be foolish Galatians, don't be foolish West Londoners. It's the power of the gospel that Paul unequivocally is called to preach and to commend to others. And we live with the wind of the Spirit empowering that gospel message, new ways of being in our offices and networks and homes, whether we're working from home, occasionally going to the office, as we, as we make those decisions, as we recalibrate life, Lord, how are you blowing me into new ways of being that glorify your name? Why don't we stand together? And just as yeah, Dan is ready to, to lead us by way of, of sung response. But for all of us, where that portion of life that God has given us to, to steward and, and, and boundary where we recognize, maybe as individuals, perhaps in, in groups that we're part of, perhaps corporately as the church, where we've, we've turned that into a barrier that, that prohibits people from entering into the goodness and the glory of God. And as we recognize that and maybe repent from it, as we look for the Spirit to soften hardened hearts, as we allow the Spirit to enable us to be inviters again into, into sacred spaces where we work and plan and, and execute and, and uh, plans and dreams and goals. that the Lord would lead us to men and women of peace that we can partner with, work with, dream with. That we create in us and along with others a new inner reality. Demonstrating to a hungry and needy world what it is to live in the center of God's generosity and love and justice and freedom and beauty and truth. Come, Lord Jesus.